0: is, we're we're headed towards the worst days of humanity. We're headed towards the, uh, uh, we're headed into a, a time of, of cataclysmic tribulation. In fact, it's called the Great Tribulation or, Dick, or Jacob's Trouble. Um, things aren't getting any better. Things are getting worse. In fact, I believe that the world is exactly where the Bible said uh, that the world would be at about this time. And today we're going to get into chapter six, and we're going to see about some some seals being broken. Uh, I do want to let you know that after next Sunday, that will be eight weeks in the Book of Revelation. I want to take a, I want to step back from Revelation. We're going to resume again in January. Uh, I think, I think we're doing a decent job of kind of covering the major points of Revelation. So, uh, we're going to do the Christmas thing, and then we're going to get to January and we'll resume Revelation after that. But you do have one more uh, week of this. I want to, before we get into the seal breaking, I want to look at Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse one. Uh, concerning the coming of our lord jesus christ and our being gathered to him what is that that is the rapture very good we ask you brothers don't become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy report or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the lord has already come because it hasn't don't let anyone deceive you in any way for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is what Man of lawlessness, you can also read there, Antichrist. You can also refer to the uh, son of perdition. Uh, he is the man of lawlessness, he is revealed. The man doomed to destruction, that is the Antichrist. He will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worship, so that he will set himself up in God's temple. We're looking at Jerusalem, we're looking at a rebuilt temple uh, there at that time. Proclaiming himself, the Antichrist, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. Now these next six seven words are important and now you know what is holding him back now you know what's holding back the son of perdition or the son of lawlessness or the man of lawlessness the antichrist so apparently there is somebody something holding the antichrist back stopping the revealing of the antichrist now in a minute i want to tell you what i think that is but we're going to go on So that he may be revealed at the proper time, at the right moment. I told you it's a multi-step, multi-phased in that is totally planned at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work. Well, yeah, the devil is at work here. But the one who now holds him back will continue to do so till he's taken out of the way. By the way, those are the the words from from Scripture, the words of God. Those aren't Mike Vogerson's words. There is something holding the breaking of that first seal something is preventing something from is stopping it whom the lord jesus will overthrow with his breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of this coming the coming of the lawless ones the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of satan displayed by all kinds of counterfeit miracles counterfeit signs counterfeit wonders and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing there is a deception that falls upon the minds of uh, upon culture and society and humanity during the Great Tribulation. They perish because they refuse to love the, the truth and to be saved. Church, I believe that today, what is restraining the enemy from appearing or the, revel- uh, the, the revealing of the Antichrist, I think it's the church. I think it's the church. I think it's the prayer of the saints. I think it's, I think it's the spirit-filled churches that love God, love people, trying to live like Jesus. I think it is those churches is the reason why that first seal hasn't broken yet. And with the breaking of that first seal, um, you're looking at the world who is existing without the presence of the church. The church has been raptured. The church has been removed. The body of Christ is no longer here. Spirit's still here, and I'm going to show you that in a moment. Well, I'll go ahead and tell you that. You know, if the Holy Spirit isn't on the earth during the Great Tribulation, how do people get saved? How do people get drawn to Jesus? So when the church is removed, this thing that has been restraining the man of lawlessness is now gone. Now he can come. Now he can appear. In Revelation 6, we find ourselves in the throne room of heaven. We've already seen Revelation chapter 4 and 5. We've been to the throne room. We've seen the four living creatures. We've seen the 24 elders with white robes. Uh, we, have, we have seen that there's somebody on the throne and it's not empty and we've heard them praise and we've seen a scroll in the, fu- in, the, in the one's hands on the throne and an angel says, who's worthy to open up the scroll? And throughout the universe there's not a peep, not John, not Paul or anybody. And then somebody says, oh, but the lamb is worthy. Oh, the one that looks like he's been slain. And so now Jesus is holding that in his hand. In Revelation 6, he's going to start breaking the seals. A seven-sealed document is of great importance. And we've said that that document is most likely the title deed of the earth. Now... As each one of the subsequent seals are broken, there's a different judgment of God that's released on the world. There's another judgment of God that's released on humanity during this seven-year tribulation, the great tribulation. Uh, These seal judgments are a part of a prophecy that the prophets have been speaking about for thousands of years. The Bible tells us that Jeremiah talks about this future apocalyptic event, this future apocalyptic holocaust, when he says this. Jeremiah 30, verse 7. How awful that day will be. There won't be another day like it. It'll be a time of trouble for Jacob. King Jimmy calls it Jacob's trouble. And we'll be saved out of it. And that's a tie-in to Israel. And we will get there, I promise you. But the important thing I want you to see about Jeremiah saying about this great day is there ain't never been one like it. It's unique and it's horrible. Isaiah wrote it like this. All you nations, come near and listen. Pay attention. And this is all pointing to that first seal being broken. The earth and all the people in it should listen. The world and everything in it. The Lord is angry at all the nations. He is angry with their armies and he's going to destroy them. He's going to kill them. Their bodies are going to be uh, stacked up like cordwood. The stink will rise from the bodies and the blood will flow down the mountains. The sun, the moon, the stars are going to dissolve and the sky will be rolled up like a... Now there's an interesting speculation on that we're going to hit on. The stars will fall like dead leaves from a vine and dried up figs from a fig tree. Let's crack the seals. Number one, first seal. We're looking for the first four seals. These are the four writers of the Apocalypse. Revelation 6, 1 through 2. I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals, and then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a loud voice, like thunder, Come. And those four living creatures, those were the four that were in front of the throne. Come, I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown. And he but doesn't say he earned it, it says he was given a crown. And he rode out to conquer, bent on conquest. Now the white horse in the Old Testament is typically symbolic of conquest or it's symbolic of battle. War, to a lesser extent, uh, it definitely means attack. There is another white horse in the book of Revelation, Revelation 19, that I do not want you to get this horse confused with. In fact, the book of Revelation chapter 19 talks about when Jesus comes back on the last day of the tribulation, the last day of Armageddon, and he, uh, He puts the enemy. Uh, away for a thousand years and establishes throne for a thousand years you might say preach i've never heard any of that you will stay with me as we go into the rest of revelation i'm just kind of letting you know what's going on that's what i think the antichrist is revealed the antichrist will have a uh, have a story that resembles some type of a perverted messianic story the antichrist will eventually die be raised up again we're going to get into all of that later but I want you to know that as this, this, uh, this, this angelic being is released from heaven, he's carrying a bow. Cooner, what good does a bow do without arrows? You might throw your bow at him, but you're not going to do much damage. This man will come as a diplomat, as a peacemaker, somebody who will calm the waters. He will make peace without firing an arrow, without firing a missile, without firing a bullet. He will make a counterfeit peace on the earth. Israel will live in peace in her land around her Arab uh, neighbors. There will be this this loosely held together time of of peace in the world. All led by this, this one Antichrist. His armor has been removed. He has no arrows to throw because I've got good news for you. Our Jesus has already taken away his armor. Look what the Bible says Revelation chapter 11, verse 21 When a strong man, fully armed, the devil guards his own house, his possessions are safe. But when someone stronger than him attacks and overpowers him, he takes away his armor. Church, that's what happened to Calvary. So the armament of the enemy is gone, and God is going to use the Antichrist to release his judgment. On the world. The Antichrist arrives as a charismatic, friendly diplomat at the beginning of the Great Tribulation. And the world takes notice. And they fall in love with him. And they kind of exalt him. Y'all, back in the day, the great big, large, tall sailing ships, they would, they would fly underneath friendly flags so other ships could see that they were on the same team, that they were allies, they were friends. Well, there was, that was well known. But also there was a pirate that knew that. His name was Blackbeard. And through 1716 through 1718, he would put friendly flags up on his mast above his sails in the wee mornings of dawn the hours before dawn he would get close enough to these ships and they would think oh that's a friend that's that's somebody we can count on we're going to be okay as soon as he got close enough he pulled down them he pulled down those those flags and put up the pirate flag and whipped their tails They didn't know it was the enemy until he was on them. Didn't know it was Blackbeard until they were on him because he was underneath the friendly flags. That's how the Antichrist will operate. He will come on the scene and he will operate underneath friendly flags until it's too late. Nobody will even know about it until the right time as he reveals who he is. Church, God is using Satan to accomplish his judgment on humanity. And I'm going to tell you that because I know that today God is on the throne and he's in control. The devil ain't doing this uh, on his own. Uh, the Lord is using him. The second seal. Revelation 6, 3-4. through 4. When the Lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, Hey, come! Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth. Remember what the Antichrist established? A fake peace? This will ruin the peace. It's probably the Ezekiel 38-39 war, to be honest with you, but that's entirely speculation. Then another horse came out of a fiery red one. This rider was given the power to take peace from the earth and to make men slay each other. That make men slay each other may very well be civil war. Not just this army attacking that army, but man against man, brother against brother, that type of thing. We don't know. To him was given a large sword. The red horse, the red is a color of war. It is a color of blood. It is a color of fire. The red horse will bring violence to the world. The red horse will bring slaughter to the world. Because what has happened is this peace that the Antichrist has set up with the first seal, it will fall apart and all hell will break loose militarily when the Red Rider is released. Now, if you're wondering what the sequence is on that, all I know is that all of these things take place in the Great Tribulation. And I believe these first four take place probably within the first three and a half years. But I don't know. The truth is we don't know. So this world peace turns into a world conflict. This is the story behind Jacob's trouble. This is the story behind the great tribulation. Starts off peaceful and then, man, it doesn't take long and that shoe drops. The power that these writers operate in. They are operating, church, under a, they are operating to do the devil's bidding. But this is the amazing thing. What the devil thinks is his last assault on humanity, God is going to use that as his judgment. God will use that to to bring a humanity back to his side. Church, I'm I'm going to say this, and I struggled with this when I wrote it, and I think I'm still struggling with it, but I I want to share it with you. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. In Scripture, we're shown that many times God gives his angels assignments of judgment. Sodom and Gomorrah, different places like that. He just releases them to do judgment. He releases them uh, to take care of of evil man. Um, But I want you to understand something. God is never an instrument of evil. God is never an instrument of evil. Joseph, one of the most iconic patriarchs of the entire Old Testament. He's a young buck. He has this wonderful dream. His brothers don't think it's a wonderful dream. In fact, they get mad at him. But somehow, God God uses him to save his entire family. And all this evil happened to Joseph and, and either, you know... If I was Joseph, I would say, I would doubt God. I would question God, or I would be disappointed with God. But he wasn't. This is what Joseph understood. All this evil is happening to him, but this is something he understood. Even though the evil is happening to him, he knew that God wasn't evil, but God would use it for his glory. The Bible says in Genesis 50 verse 20. You intended to harm me, brothers, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done. Church, when we see the unfolding of these seals, and the breaking of the seals, the Antichrist and the red horse, what we're seeing is this. Evil is being done, but God will intend it for good. And God will allow evil to bring judgment. Preach, help me understand this a little bit better. Okay, but I'm going to have to make it real simple because I'm real simple. Anybody ever see Shawshank Redemption? Or are y'all just too holy to see a movie like that? All right. Well, I did. 1994, Shawshank Redemption. Uh, it was a story about Andy Dufresne. He was a man who was, fraud, uh, he was convicted, uh, wrongly convicted for killing his wife, goes into Shawshank prison for about 30 years, winds up tunneling out through, uh, through the sewer pipes underneath the prison. And when he gets uh, the next morning, uh, the, uh, the narrative has read his best buddy talking about uh, Andy Dufresne. And this is what uh, Red said. He said, Andy Dufresne, the man who crawled through 500 yards of sewer and came out clean the other end. Now, of course, Red was speaking metaphorically. But church, I want you to understand something. When the Great Tribulation happens and literally all hell is breaking loose on this planet, war and famine and pestilence, I want you to understand something. Your God stays holy. Your God stays without blemish. Your God stays righteous. The Bible tells us this in the book of Genesis, I'm sorry, in the book of James 1.13, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Church, although the world will be enraptured with evil, I want you to understand something, our God will walk through the other side totally clean. The third seal. Revelation 6, 5 through 6, when the Lamb opened the third seal, I heard a third living creature say, come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in the hand, then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a day's wages and three quarts of barley for a day's wages and do not damage the oil and wine. that oh, don't damage the oil and wine? I've got an interesting thought for that, but I'm, I'm going to come back to it. Black in Scripture is a color of mourning. Even today, the uh, Orthodox Jews will wear black because they're mourning the destruction of the temple still 2,000 years later. Black is a color of mourning. Black is a color of, of famine. Church... When we're looking at this time, there have been wars, there have been riots, there have been military operations, weapons of mass destruction have been used. This isn't a, this isn't a plague of rainbows and marshmallows. Man, this is hardcore stuff. People are dying. So you've got, you've got billions of people dying, but I, I don't want you to forget this. What happened before the first seal was broke? The rapture. How many people you think are going to be missing then? I hope a bunch. I hope a bunch. Can you imagine how shocked some church members will be after the rapture and we have church on Sunday and nobody's here? Hmm. So the world is missing billions of people due to war, famine, and pestilence and starvation. God knows how many people have left in the rapture. And so the population of the world is down. There's not as many farmers. There's not as many truck drivers. There's not as many workers. There's not as many people. So there's not enough food. There's not enough workers to get the food from the fields to the table. There's not as many doctors. So your health care is going to be uh, horrible. You know, the other the not going to be good at this particular point. It's going to be tough. Question. We're going to live in through COVID. How many times you went to the grocery shelf and you look and said, man, am I in China? Because there's nothing on the shelf. You go out, try to buy chili magic to make chili. You may or you may not get it. I just said, well, Preacher, what's the big deal about that? You're not be able to buy your favorite brands right now. And we're in COVID. Not the Great Tribulation. So what we're going through right now, cousin, it's nothing compared to what they're going to go through there. There won't be any food on the shelf. People will starve. They'll die. They won't stay healthy. There'll be a pandemic. There will be an epidemic. Man, people are dying left and right. That's why this horse is bringing all this stuff man um y'all it's not going to be good and that that whole line a quart of wheat for a day's wages and three quarts of barley for a day's wages y'all everybody's got to eat bread whether you're the president or whether you're from podunk yeah everybody's got to eat bread and that's what that represents but that next thing in there make sure you don't spill the oil and wine now this is a neat thought and it's purely speculation but it resonates in my spirit it may or may not be but this is just what i think there will be a time in this planet when the great tribulation is happening where the working man will have it so bad he won't be able to eat. Can't have any barley, can't have any wheat, can't have any bread. But the rich man who has all the barley and all the wheat, don't you worry about him because he's going to keep everything he's got. He's going to have all the oil and all the wine. Church, you ever lived in a time where the rich get richer and the poor get poor? We ain't seen nothing yet. your Bill Gates and your Soros and your Musks and your Benzos, it ain't going to affect them. It'll affect you. They won't even know about it. I guarantee you lots of the stuff you won't even hear on the news when it happens. Making y'all feel good today, ain't I? I ain't going to be there. But you and I both have family that will be. Friends, neighbors, fourth seal. Revelation 6, 7 through 8. When the Lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. His rider's name was Death. And Hades was following close behind him. They were given the power over the fourth of the earth, to kill by sword, famine and plague, pestilence is another word. And by the wild beasts of the earth. Now, I don't know what the wild beasts are. To be honest with you, it could be as simple as a mosquito or a rat. Rats and mosquitoes have killed more people than war because of the spreading of the disease. And those bodies are laid up in the world like cordwood. And that very well could be Cooner I don't know. But it doesn't have to be a lion or something like that. It doesn't have to be that. Pale represents death. It's almost like that yellowish-green, grand, uh, gangrenish color of, of a corpse where if you've got a bruise, it'll get to a certain point where that edge of the bruise is green. You remember those? That's the color that we're looking at. I mean, it's gross. I mean, nobody goes into the hardware store and says, oh, give me the gangrene color for my for you know for my son it's ugly you know but that's what this is going on this whole thing is ugly pale represents death as a result of war and military conflict and pestilence and epidemics and pandemics and starvation and famine and earthquakes and all that good stuff one out of every four people on the world will die one out of every four. So you look around your row. If you've got four people, one of you are going to die during during this time, whether by conflict, whether by starvation, whether by earthquake, whether by natural disaster, things like that. Billions have died, millions have vanished in an event that the media can't explain. And man, I wish I was around. I hope I, I it would be interesting for us to, to get a news feed up into heaven. How the media describes the rapture. Let me give you a crazy idea. How much how much you heard about UFOs last year? don't know i guarantee you they won't say it's jesus i'm going to show you that in a minute y'all okay a lot of stuff being sprinkled out okay all right the devastation of the first four seals is global man it's worldwide You, you you can't hide from these from the from the four horsemen of the apocalypse it it affects everything the first four seals describe what's happening the first four seals describe what's happening on earth during the great tribulation jacob's trouble and as we see the last two seals, we're going to find the We're going to see what's happening in heaven while all that's going down on earth. Because that fifth seal is what we're going to hit next. When he opened the fifth seal, I didn't see what was going on down there. I saw under the altar of souls of those who've been slain. Slain, by the way, literally means slaughtered, murdered, or this powerful word means Butchered. They've been butchered because of the word of God and the testimony that they had maintained. Church, during the during, during the tribulation, there will be people who get saved. And if you get saved, you will get your head cut off if you're not hiding. I told you, they're going to be killing people in Ava. They're going to be killing people in Angola. This is going to be not a localized thing. It will be a globalized thing. Because of the word of God and the testimony they had maintained, they called out in a loud voice, God, how long? holy and true until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and these next three words give me a few uh I, 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 they gave me some trouble uh, they gave me some trouble exegeting them and avenge our blood then each of them was given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were killed as they uh, at has been completed now at this very moment, this seal may be opened at a three-and-a-half-year mark in a seven-year tribulation. I don't know. I know that during the seven-year tribulation, people will be slaughtered. They will be murdered. They will be butchered because they have faith in Jesus. They will be martyred from everywhere. It will be common. You get slaughtered as a Christian during the tribulation, your soul goes to heaven. If you die today as a Christian, your soul goes to heaven. You died as a believer under the old covenant, your soul goes to heaven. When these people are beheaded because of their faith, they go to heaven. That's what happens, alright? That, that, that rule never changes. You get slaughtered as a Christian, you go to glory. Church, we hear their prayers coming from under the altar. The significance that their prayers are under the altar is because in the, Old, in the Old Testament, the high priest would pour the blood over the altar and the blood would pool underneath it. The prayers underneath the altar is what moves God's hand to open up the sixth seal. Don't you ever think for a second your prayers don't move the hand of God. It's the prayers of the great tribulation saints that moves God's hand in judgment to keep going. So there is power in prayer. There is significance in prayer. There is a might in prayer. And they ask God, how long? And they were told what every father tells his kid. Just a little bit longer. When will we get there? Just a little bit longer. And church, I don't think their prayers were necessarily a prayer of revenge. I think their prayers probably sounded something like this. God, how long are you going to let these people get away from them like this? How, you going to, how long are you going to let sin tear up the planet? How long are you going to let rebellion on humankind? How long are you going to let that curse invade humanity, Lord? That's what I think. Church, don't ever doubt the powers of prayer through the hand of God because that's what happens with the saints' prayer there in, in the fifth seal. Sixth seal. I'm going to look at it in a second, but before we look at what Revelation 6 says about this sixth seal, I want to see what Jesus said about the sixth seal. Jesus is talking to His disciples in Matthew 24, verse 3, the uh, Mount Olivet discourse. Tell us, the disciples said, when will, your ha- when will this happen? Will when the end come? When can we expect this? And what will be the sign of your coming? What will be the end of the age? What would we need to look for, Jesus? And He replied, Matthew 24, 29. Immediately after the stress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. Who's saying these words? Jesus. The sun will be dark and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Jesus is describing what will happen on the final day of the tribulation. The final day of Jacob's trouble. He's telling us what happens on the last day of that seven-year tribulation. Jesus departs from heaven. He returns to the earth. He stands and steps foot on the Mount of Olives. It cracks in two. A river flows out of it. And baby, we're getting ready to go to Armageddon, which is just down the road, by the way. Largest battlefield in the world. Napoleon said you could get every army and every piece of battlement armor in the entire world into the field of Armageddon. It's a huge field. Jesus is about to establish his millennial reign at that point. Now I want you to listen to the text. Now I want you to remember the things Jesus said about what would happen on the last day. I watched as he, the lamb, opened this thick seal. There was a great earthquake. The sun turned black like sackcloth, made of gold hair. The whole moon turned blood red. The stars in the sky fell to the earth as late figs drop from the fig tree when shaken by a strong wind. The sky receded like a scroll, rolling up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the princes and the generals, and the rich and the poor, and every servant and every free man hid in caves and among the rocks of the mountains. They called to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us, hide, hide us from what's coming. Hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. And who can stand? I want you to notice, church, that this is the first seal that has been opened up that is being executed directly by the hand of God. When the first seal was broken, the rider on the the white horse did it. When the second seal was broken, the rider on the red horse did it. When the third seal was broken, the rider on the black horse did it. When the fourth seal was open, the rider on the pale horse did it. When the fifth seal was broken, it was the prayers from the saints underneath the altar of God. When the sixth seal is open, God says, Hey, horseman, I got this. Let me shake the planet. I got this myself. God for the first time is doing the judgment for His uh, through himself. He's not using an angel. He's not using anything. The prayers of the saints has triggered their hand and God releases it. And the supernatural unfolding judgment comes from God today, church. I don't think that most of the world gives a second thought about what's going on in the spiritual realm or the invisible realm. I don't think they understand the duality of where we live. They don't understand that there are things in this world that are happening that we cannot see with our physical eyes. They do not understand that there is a good, a bad, a heaven and a hell. There is a there is a God, there is a devil, there is righteousness and there is unrighteousness. They don't understand that what we understand as Christians is real. In fact, if anything, maybe the invisible world is more real, and more important than what we see. I will tell you what, I'll be there a whole lot longer than I'm here. Y'all read the article, or maybe see on the news last week about the concert down in Houston with the Astro World? I'm going to give you something real quick. And you don't have to agree with me. In fact, that's okay if you don't. I'm am all I'm wanting you to do is understand that most of the world does not understand the spiritual unfolding that's going on around them. Last weekend there in Astro World, there was this huge concert. The rapper's name was Travis Scott. Drake was there, and things like that. Uh, Eight people were killed that weekend, and ninth, uh died due to injuries sustained at the concert this week. So nine people have died. There there was a whole thing on TikTok about people saying, what's a satanic sacrifice? It was a blood sacrifice. In fact, the the entrance that you went to, and will be the only picture I showed, because it's the only, like, only one I really feel comfortable showing. You went into this concert through the mouth of this great big uh, demon. And as they entered in, uh, people would be texting and tweeting what they saw. And I read it, this is the, from an article in um, Rolling Stone. And this is what they said. And again, I want you to remember, all I'm really trying to show you is most of the people in the world have no idea of the true spiritual warfare that's going on around Rolling Stone said, People have said the stage was shaped like an inverted cross leading to a portal of hell, which they believe was represented by the art-shaped set on stage. They also, you can go home and Google this, look at the pictures, I just, I didn't feel like doing it, I I didn't think it needed to be done. They also point to a shirt that Travis Scott wore at the show that depicts human figures walking through a door, a portal, and emerging with what looks like horns. as further evidence that Scott was leading fans to hell and sacrificing people's lives intentionally. Now that's not what Rolling Stone said happened, they're just reporting on the story. So, preacher, you're saying that this is spiritual in nature and there's a demonic war for the the heart and the soul of of, of people? Yeah. Yeah, I am. And the thing is, people read an article like that and say, man, you sound like my grandma. That's that satanic panic I've been hearing all about. That's been going on for a long time. Can I tell you what? the feeling that those people have, and maybe you have a feeling right now about me sharing that story with you. I guarantee you that most of the people in the world during the tribulation will think that same way whenever people say that what's going on with the war and the famine and the pestilence, they're going to feel the same way when people say, oh, well, that's of God, that's God's judgment, you better hurry up and fly right. They're going to roll their eyes and say, you sound just like my grandma. They're not going to know what's going on. They're not going to know that that white horse rider is the Antichrist. They're not going to know not all not everybody they're just going to go along with it on that last day of the tribulation the day of the lord he's going to make it known to everybody what's been going on behind the scenes there will be no mistaking that these have been judgments of god that the saints of the that the prayers of the saints have initiated the sixth seal being broken there will be no doubt preacher where do you see that at Remember, this is the first seal that God is saying, hold on, I got this. The sky receded like a scroll, rolling up, and every mountain and every island was removed from its place. Church, I'm going to tell you what I think that means on that last day of the tribulation, there will not be an excuse to say, oh, I didn't know this was of God. I didn't know this was the devil manipulating the world. I didn't know this was deception. God is saying, on that last day, there will be no doubt what's been going on behind the scenes. I will give full disclosure. The sky will open up like a scroll and you'll see everything that's been sent. And I think justice equally is important. You're going to see everything that the devil has been doing from below. We're not going to sound like their grandma then. Then we're going to sound like God. This is what's going on. This is what's happened, church. I want to end with the same question. I want to end with the same question that chapter 6 does. Who can stand? The Bible says no king, no prince, no general, no rich, mighty, slave, free, nobody can stand. But I will tell you this. The only people that are going to be able to stand in the end will be those who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That'll be it. There will be no others. Yo, when I was a kid, I, would, I didn't know what it really meant to be redeemed. I didn't know what it meant, but, but I did know that whenever I took a Pepsi bottle to Gurgandy's grocery store in Odin, Chris Gurgandy would give me 25 cents of Pepsi's money when I would take that bottle. Man, we'd spend all summer long looking in ditches and things like that. 25 cents was a lot of money. Now, some of y'all grew up in a time where you, were, you, got redeem, uh, you could redeem your bottles for a nickel. We got in on the 25 cents. I didn't know what it meant. I just knew that when I took that Pepsi bottle to Chris Gurgandy, he would give me 25 cents. But but what he was doing, I didn't know that Pepsi was going to pay him back. See, what he was paying me was Pepsi's money. The bottle I had, had Pepsi on it. It belonged to Pepsi. I bought it from them, but when I brought it back in, they redeemed it back. Church, it never, I could never redeem something I never owned. I could buy it, but I couldn't redeem it. Pepsi. Redeemed back that bottle. It was theirs originally. You know how much Coke would have paid me for a, for a Pepsi bottle? <laughs> Tried that. Didn't work. And you know how much Pepsi would pay me for a Coke bottle? Nothing. They didn't own it. It wasn't theirs. Only those who will stand will be those who've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Church, the redeemed of the Lord have always belonged to the Lord. Look what the Bible says in John 17. The same gospel that was written by the writer of Revelation. The redeemed of the Lord were always His. I showed what you were like to those who gave me from the world. They belonged to you. They were your bottles. And you gave them to me. The redeemed belonged to God. They were always gods. You cannot go and redeem a thing that does not belong to you. God redeemed those people who belong to Him. You can buy it, but you can't redeem it, church. God, you've belonged to God since the foundation of the world. He knew who you were. Now that which belonged originally to God, once we sinned, we become indebted to sin. Sin took us off the market. We've sinned, become under the course of the law, and though God still held to us, sin had a claim on us. Christ came, He saw us in our condition, and He knew that we were His own. He knew, for the lack of a a better way, just He saw the Pepsi on our bottle. Well, that's mine. What, what, What do I have to do to get that back? He asked, was there a way to pay to redeem us back to restore ownership? And the thing is, it was his heart's blood. It was his life's blood. He himself was the price paid for redemption for us to belong back to God. There will be those who stand, but only those who've been redeemed. He paid the price and redeemed them. And church today, we can sing that song in Revelation 5, 9. By your blood, you ransomed us. By your blood, you redeemed us. Pepsi bought it for 25 cents a bottle. Jesus paid for you with his blood, with his life. Who can stand? Only those redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You know, hearing about the blood is gruesome to some people. It's horrific, it's grotesque, it's ugly. But I want you to to know this. Church, heaven is okay with the blood. Heaven never gets tired singing about the power of the blood. C.H. Spurgeon wrote this. He said, I heard a man the other day say a certain minister. Oh, we want another minister. We're tired of this man. We want another minister. We're tired of this man. He's always talking so much about the blood. That's what Spurgeon goes on to say. In that last day, it'll be God who's tired of that man who made that speech. Heaven never gets tired about the blood because they know the price it was paid to redeem us. It's only the blood of the Lamb that was slain by which we are saved. Church, last week the Lamb took the scroll and with the seven seals we found out worthy are you. Yes, beloved, He's worthy of all the praise and glory and honor that we can give Him. He's worthy to be called equal with God because He Himself is God, very God of very God. And no one can sing worthy are you unless they have called Jesus God. Profess Him as Lord profess him as savior no one will ever sing that without it and you won't sing it without it every head bowed and every eye closed church today do you believe that jesus is worthy to be equal with god because he himself is god very god of very god church do you believe today that you're a sinner that you have You're guilty of of, of iniquity. You're guilty of not honoring or loving God with all your heart, soul, mind. And maybe you've not loved your neighbor the way you loved yourself, but the Bible says we've we've all fallen and we've all fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. My friend, today, are you ready to ask to be redeemed? Today, are you ready to receive that redemption from the blood of Jesus? Are you ready to be forgiven? Are you ready to be saved? Are you ready to get to a point in your spirit Know today you may be struggling, but, but my, my dear sister, our our war is not against flesh and blood, but it's against powers and principalities in the high places. We're fighting against a spiritual foe. The Lord has given us spiritual weapons to fight. Today, maybe you need to surrender your life to. It. To run the good race, to fight the good people. So today, maybe you've never been redeemed, or maybe today you just need to surrender your life to. It. Lord, today I confess you as my God. I profess you as my savior. I ask you to save me, redeem me, and make me yours. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying in my place. I surrender my life to you now. And it's in Jesus' name. Church said, Amen. Church, if you'd be in heaven tonight, because today, either your time was up or the Lord blew the trumpet, aren't you glad to know that you know the Lamb? I mean, if this was our last day here today, aren't you glad that you know the Lamb? And the Lamb is not afraid to call you brother, He's not afraid to call you sister, He's not not ashamed to call you His, and because of Him, we have no reason to fear the coming great because of him, we have no reason to even fear the run-of-the-mill tribulation that happens on our life on the reg. So if you'd be in heaven tonight, either because your time was up or before the trumpet of God blew, aren't you glad that you can worship the Lord right now, the one who saved you?